0: Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here. And for today's episode, I really wanted to talk about as we wrap up Q4, how do we get ready for Q1 and the better for you season. I know a lot of focus is on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, by the time this episode is air it with well, have past and yeah. how do you prepare for 2023 which is quickly approaching so for this conversation i've invited on my friend kevin Goronsky, who is the founder of Goronsky food and beverage who focuses on helping emerging food and beverage founders grow through amazon instacart and digital marketing to really help them succeed so kevin welcome
1: thanks for having me i'm excited to talk because i talk a lot
0: let's get into it. So this is a really interesting time because founders are kind of slashing budgets going into the end of the year. They have no idea kind of where to put their money and investment because they don't really have a good sense of you know, how do I build a positive ROI into my sales and kind of driven by the fact that a lot of fundraising is is paused or dried up. And so what are you kind of seeing from your perspective of, you know, what are brands kind of thinking about going into the end of the year, thinking about next year?
1: Yeah. So I, I personally think what you've seen the past probably six months, especially or so, and, you know, I, I guess you can go back to this entire year is it, it was just exposing you know, the unnecessary ad spend that brands were putting in certain places. So you had a combination of algorithms, you know, changed everything with people who got away with running lookalikes on Facebook. Um, The iOS changes really changed how effective those were. I think a lot of other people were like, you know, spending money on reach impressions and other things where they weren't really tracking what else was going on with those campaigns. So I, you know, regarding where things are at and where things were the past couple months, I, I do think there was some unnecessary spending. And I think whether it's the brands, whether it's agencies, I it was kind of an awakening of you need to be more conservative, like you were saying with your budgets. If you're expecting direct sales, whether it's on your website, whether it's to help kind of fuel velocity in store, that's the bottom line of, you know, what you should be looking at. Anything else outside of that could be fluff. If you have the budget, you know outside of that and you're not in a pinch and you know you're saying hey I want 75% of this to go to direct sales of that 75% say 50 D2C Amazon you know 25 on Instacart driving velocity then you have another you know percentage of budget where you could raise awareness of the brand and spend on influencers and that sort of thing great but i think otherwise you know now it's kind of time to buckle down and you know understand what your goals are spend those dollars there and anything outside of that that's not showing you direct ROI, you know, I don't spend on that right now. When you have the budget, again, do it. Uh, and then otherwise just focus on those areas that you know you need right now.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, one piece of advice I always give founders is to focus on the measurable area where you can drive ROI and the highest ROI possible. And then only once you maximize kind of that avenue, you start seeing diminishing returns and kind of move up the the ladder to things that might take a longer term to convert, right? Because those are going to be closer to getting dollars back in your pocket.
1: Yeah. And we've kind of always done that. I thought that was always what differentiated us. Like I, when I, when I just started, I was at, you know, huge agencies that worked on PepsiCo brands. They're going to spend dollars differently, but Even some of the medium-sized brands that I worked on and past agencies or ones that we took on here at Goronsky, You look at what they were doing and you kind of start to understand their financial situation. And there's a little bit of shock of, you know, why were they possibly spending dollars on that when they're in a situation they're in? So again, I I think it just brought out, you know, focus on if you need sales, get sales, um, optimize everything towards that. And then, you know, focus on the other stuff when the budget's there and when the environment's a little bit more positive and, um, you know, working in your favor.
0: Let's kind of talk about some of those channels, because I actually just had a conversation with a founder a week ago, and they thought that their own D2C was going to be their kind of top channel, but they quickly found how um, expensive it was to actually drive conversions, especially right now. And they are now kind of pivoting towards Amazon. Um, What have you kind of seen as the some of the the better channels for for Cpg brands um, right now and kind of investing their time and money. I know it kind of varies per company, but are there any trends you've seen?
1: So yeah, there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. it I think what happened with Covid is people were essentially trying to force channels that didn't really make sense for them in the long term, but temporarily seemed nice and they had everything working for them. So you had some brands that would never work on d2c that we're spending dollars, you know, say I'm talking like right when COVID started and everybody was home, you know, buying behaviors are heightened, everyone's patient and, you know, everyone's curious and cooking things. And I think that, you know, a lot of people were doing, uh, spending dollars on platforms that it's it just like, great. It works right now, but it won't in the future. I think in general, people do get caught in these trends too. You know, the, the cool thing to say the past couple of years was like d 2 C's dying and, um, you know, I think the new one everyone's going after is TikTok. But I my advice is you just need to sell where it makes sense for you. If you're non-perishable and you're on Amazon and you're on Prime and the margins are good, great. You're going to do well there if you have a good marketing team, you have a good product and you're spending dollars correctly. If you're, you know, a heavy, I don't want to use an example of a brand, but say something that just weighs a ton and the dimensions no makes make no sense and the margins, bet, either on D2C or Amazon, in general, it's going to be hard for people to get your product. And then lastly, if you're in retail, you know, and you are one of those brands that it's tough to kind of move the needle, um, on D2C. I mean, allocate all of your spend on Instacart. If you're in Kroger and Kroger's website on, you know, driving PPC sales on target.com through citrus. It's just, I mean, there's so many different platforms at this point for where your product sold that you'll have the option to advertise somehow through those platforms and see the direct results you're getting, you know, on the campaigns that you're running. So do what works, you know, don't fall for the trends. Um, and only spend dollars where you know that your profit margins make sense because us as the media buyers, we can only do so much with it.
0: Let's talk about Instacart a little bit because I know you do a lot of work there, but a lot of brands don't really um, understand how the platform works, especially on their kind of paid side. Can you kind of break down a little bit um, how the brands that you see performing best on Instacart and how they're doing it?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, we love Instacart. Um, I think... Again, that's another thing with COVID. So they expedited their advertising that they rolled out. I, I, it probably came out about a year before they intended it to. Since it came out, you know, they just kind of added, I, I I put in one of my blogs, it's like all the best features of Amazon, essentially. It went from just like, here's the white background image from the store of your product to, you know, they're doing stuff with influencers. You could do banners, you could do, uh, they have brand pages now, pretty much the equivalent of what a storefront is on Amazon, so we're, we're big fans of Instacart. I think the brands that do well on Instacart, uh, you know, it, it's pretty obvious because it's similar to Amazon. If you're an obscure, I, I don't really want to use an example, but say you're a something friendly, you know, something specific and it's, you know, relevant to very few people and you don't really have fringe categories you can go after, there's not a ton of competitors. We struggle with those kind of brands on Instacart because there's not a whole lot that you could latch onto. Now, you know, say you're, let's just say like you're a healthy peanut butter or something like that for the sake of using an example. We have a ton of different, you know, keywords that we can go after. We can go after nut butter. We can go after almond butter. We can convince people who want to buy GIF to be healthier and get your product. So it it's similar to Amazon on Instacart where it's it's kind of like what category are you in? How frequently do they buy the products? And then, you know, to wrap it up, you could do such damage on Instacart if you're investing in the right PPC and you're kind of, you know, moving along with all their innovative features that they have. You know, the brands that we do have that opt to do that and invest in it, they're month over month all in sales outside of PPC every time. You know, after probably two three months, is it's significantly different month over month and year over year.
0: I think that's awesome. And thinking about. Is brands preparing for Q1? I often found what happens is that founders are so focused on, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday and the holiday that Q1 kind of sneaks up on them and they don't properly plan for it. So let's kind of talk about some of the consumer trends that happen in, in Q1. You know, I think we generally know of it as like people are looking to get in shape after the holidays or to eat healthier. Um, what have you kind of seen in terms of, you know, that consumer behavior shift?
1: Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. The, the resolutions are big. I think that has a big part of it. So everyone just naturally wants to make an attempt to be healthier, which I, I think it's cool. I think that's great. People can take advantage of it. I think on the other end too. You know, I put this in the blog as well that I that I wrote recently. It's just everybody. You know, now that COVID isn't you know as extreme as it was with restrictions and everything, you have people traveling more. So it's going back to you know you have families and people. Everyone's at a routine pretty much from this week right now which is the second to last week of November all the way up until that first week of January so you're catching everybody at the same time not just the new year's resolution people but you know regular people who are just saying okay crazy month and a half you know i was eating out and you know we weren't really being healthy and we were traveling and i'm tired i just want to get back in shape i just want to be healthier so you're catching everybody at that time um you know and it, it does go a little bit overlooked obviously with Q4 and holiday sales and black friday and cyber monday so it Essentially, for better for you, food and beverage brands, I I call it their Super Bowl almost where, you know, buying behaviors are heightened. Everyone's going to be looking to try something. So you're going to have people wanting to be healthier, people curious and maybe wanting to start new diets, um, people ordering more uh, from the grocery store versus going out and eating. You know, maybe more recipe focused brands are going to have success during that time. So, yeah, everyone in the Gronsky world of food and beverage, all our types of brands, we see those behaviors during January. And we're catering, you know, all of our ad copy to it. We're covering our keywords on Instacart. We're making sure our content makes sense is an encouraging people and, you know, kind of educating them that like, Hey, you're trying to be healthy. We're healthy. You're trying to be a part of this diet. You know, we cater to this diet and so on.
0: You know, it's interesting as you say that it makes me realize that this time of that Friday, Cyber Monday is all around. Um, discounting and trying to give consumers the best deals, which ultimately costs you a lot of money as a brand and may or may not turn into long-term success versus Q1 is all about people aligning their purchases with their health values. And price is less of a concern because a lot of you know the the right consumers in this better for you space aren't putting as much of a price on health, and so the consumers that you probably attract during Q1, especially in the first couple of weeks of January, are probably going to be more likely to be your long term target customers. You think so? Yeah.
1: So the, I I would say that's it. Um, you know, and then for example, y- you get some of that in Q4. Like I, I like to say, there's somebody who would who's willing to buy you know keto friendly chips in bulk if they see the percentage off. So I, I'm essentially saying in Q4, I'd still run promos because everyone's looking for a deal and they'll buy. And if you're looking to move product or their dry volume, still do it when you can. And then we have other brands that are like cocktail mix brands. Obviously that's something you could gift and people are gonna buy at that time of year. But yeah, I, I think in January, you get the hardcore people who are really locking down. Like I said, they've been traveling, they wanna get there. And then you have this untapped base that's trying to be that hardcore group. You know, they could last two months, being healthy, they could last a year, they could last a lifetime. It is two totally different groups of people buying at two different times. And yeah, I, you know, and again, that's why I would spend on cold prospecting new consumers, getting them in the door, because you get them to try the product and they like it, and they're one of those people who last even like, you know, five, six months, you know, your return and your lifetime value on spending that and capturing them at that right time, you know, it, it's it's way more valuable than it was any time of the year.
0: I love that. And speaking about that kind of paid and organic media strategy for the new year, how do you um, tactically then start to to address that in terms of keywords um, that you might be going after?
1: Yeah. So, you know, regarding keywords, if you, if we're talking PPC, so if we're talking somebody searching on Amazon, somebody searching on Instacart, you know, say I'm busy and I have kids and I'm going, okay, I'm going to do, you know, keto or something this year. You, you do want to go for the broader keywords, it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, But in general, you're going to have more people, you know, higher volume searching for it. So your opportunity there is to just capture people who are saying, hey, I want to be healthy in this way, but I don't know, you know, what brands I want to abide by. So by bidding on that way, whether it's a keyword, whether it's a diet, whether it's an influencer who has the product, you know, that's how you're going to get those undecided consumers to kind of come through the door and say, great, like this is this makes sense. This is what I want to do. You know, I see you guys are gluten-free. That's what I'm trying to abide by. Great. I'll try you out. And then I think, um, you know, unpaid social and on Google, it's capturing, you know, wake up the people who used to use your products and were healthy and were loyal and forgot about you, get them back in the door, make them realize, say, oh, cool. I do want that, you know, that protein bar and I'm going to be on the go. And that's better than me having chips. And I haven't had it in months. Um, So there's, there's, those different angles of it, but Again, I, I would take advantage of so many people searching for these diets or, you know, if it's like protein bar or if it's, you know, a healthy tortilla, they're not loyal to any brand. So that's your opportunity. Get in the door, have them try you out. You'll be in their cart forever on Instacart. They'll reorder you on Amazon. You know, you'll be in their email list on paid social and then, you know, just keep them going from there.
0: Do you have any ideas on... Once you bring in those customers to into the door of your brand, like how do you, how do you retain them and get them to come back for second and third purchases?
1: Yeah. So I, I do think, you know, with the first purchase too, it's making it a sweet enough deal to get them in the door where it's okay. This isn't too risky. It makes sense. Something I'm served was credible, the repeat purchases, so we personally don't do email. I've always kind of wished we have. Um, and a lot of the brands, we do run it on their own. Obviously, email is the big one. Um, through all the changes we've seen, through all the changes we're going to see with tracking, you'll always have people's emails. You could always hit them there. I think otherwise, too, though, You know, if you're just staying active organically, then these people have tried you and they see you again, or they followed you after they tried you and they see you still exist and you're still credible, and real people are still trying your products and having success with it. Whether they see it organically through a paid ad, you know, if they're searching for your product again on a branded keyword on Amazon, they're likely to try you again as long as the experience was good and the product was good. Because that's something that we overlook as media buyers and strategists that we don't have control over.
0: Yeah, I know that's definitely a, a huge reason someone will actually come back. Um, in looking at kind of where to spend those dollars, I know we kind of touched on like what channels you know picking the channel that fits with your product and the where it's easier for consumers to buy have you kind of found that running media and like paid ads on amazon and instacart generally perform better than just ads on google or facebook or social
1: yeah so you know to me like again it's In terms of path to purchase, what is the easiest path to purchase, right? So Instacart, their products are already in the store. They paid for it. They did everything they had to, you know, that we don't do in our world. They just need somebody to move it. So, you know, for us, you know, getting somebody to buy the product, it's all a matter of PPC bidding or broad bidding on Instacart. It's generally easier to get sales in a platform like Instacart where people are right now trying to buy something, right? Amazon similar. Where it's PPC oriented, obviously. And again, you can go after competitor reasons where we have a lot of success with that, but I'm in the process of capturing somebody who is looking for, you know, keto-friendly cookies right now. And I'm lined up to this brand and we're this brand. And they only have a choice of about four brands that look credible here. So it again, like I think that, you know, with those platforms that are already in set and the, you know, the back end makes sense and you know, there's the least resistance to purchase, we could scale those platforms more easily. DTC, which I love, we see a ton of, some brands we have, have their own shipping warehouses, and it's great. And we could just spend and, you know, they get their products out. You have other brands that you have to be careful about inventory with it, you know, the shipping costs a little bit more, sometimes directly from the website. Uh, So it's usually those grocery slash Amazon platforms that are easiest for us as media buyers to scale.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing that I've I've done a lot of work in Amazon from selling our own products there to helping other brands launch. And I have found that just consumers who are on Amazon are looking to purchase and the purchase experience is almost too easy. I think a lot of us have that experience where you're like looking for something or browsing and then like all of a sudden you realize it was in your cart and you bought it. <laughs> it's like arrives right. the next day. Um, and I think that having those ads show up timely um, and kind of interrupting people's purchase in a good way where they're like, oh, that looks interesting. It's a much quicker path to purchase, as you mentioned, than, you know, someone scrolling on Instagram, looking at their friend's pictures, and then they see a random ad like that can still kind of convert, but it's usually a uh, longer path than just that immediate purchase and so in terms about like optimizing your ad spin i think you're right like going after the low hanging fruit of like where people are purchasing uh where they're looking to buy product and then kind of move up funnel from there to some of the other channels
1: yeah 100
0: i love that um anything that brands should be doing right now to kind of get prepared in terms of like setting up creative doing any like testing of keywords like should they start that now or kind of wait a little bit later
1: yeah so i i I think it's an interesting time too because the new cool thing to do is slash budgets um and i think that that's fine if that's a situation you're in you have to do that but what we tend to see and not calling out anyone specifically i think it's an agency thing you always see people who, you know, last week of December say, Cool, better for you season starts in a week. Everyone's going to be healthy. What are we running? You know, and then we send out our blog article about getting ready on like September 8th or something. Um, so I, I think, you know, especially right now, if you're an emerging brand that's, you know, a healthy food and beverage brand and Q4 isn't like a blowout for you, and some brands it is, some it isn't, use this next, you know, month and a week or whatever to just plan and, you know, lower your budgets. And I know agencies don't say that a lot, but realistically, if you're not a product that's going to thrive right now, I plan everything for Q1 because if you're a healthy brand and no one's gifting you or self-gifting, they will be buying to be healthier in Q1. And you need to make sure right now you understand where am I spending my dollars? What am I expecting in return on those platforms? And most especially, how am I speaking to people. Because this winter is different than the last couple. Because you had, you know, a full-blown winter where the whole country was shut down. You had one where it was half shut down. Now you have people in the office. You have people who have kids at daycare. Then they're hitting the gym after daycare. They're going in. So it, it's just it's a little bit trickier than it was in that perspective. So I, you know, again, I, the trend is you know being careful with dollars right now. Maybe don't spend as much on ad spend if you're not a gifting product. Focus on reallocating those dollars to Q1 if you can. Hone in on that message. How am I going to speak to people, you know, and tailor everything perfectly where they'll get who we are? And then, you know, am I going to be on the right platforms and how much am I going to spend on those platforms? Um, Seems complicated, but it's pretty simple.
0: I think uh, one thing that you mentioned to me as well is around like how geography affects buying behaviors as well because i know like both of us are in the midwest like we have snow on the ground Uh, and we're thinking like yeah maybe i won't go outside too much but like half the country or you know third or half the country is like it's hot you know if you're in like lower texas or florida california southern california like it's a completely different experience of like winter there right yeah
1: so i think there's a couple things to, to kind of realize it again look at the country, right? So the Northeast and the Midwest, which I was born in New York and I lived in Wisconsin the majority of my life for Chicago or Minnesota. These months of January to March are pretty brutal. Um, there's not a ton to do in terms of you can't really go out. Like it legitimately there's days it'll be negative 15, you know, in both areas of the country. So I, I think because of that, and I keep bringing up COVID because I think some of the Buying behaviors just stuck with people in terms of okay, that makes sense when people are bored or stuck inside. In those areas of the country, you have people that are going to be more patient, right? So if I'm going to order something on Amazon or from a website, I have an extra week for it to get here. So if I got hit with a D2C ad on Instagram and it looks cool and it's something I want to try, I'll wait for it. I've got no problem, right? It's not the summer where I'm traveling 24/7. Um, on the other end, too. You know, I I think again you have everything in full swing. You have people in the office, right? No one's really taking vacations during that time period. You have kids in school, you have kids in sports. So it's just I all those buying behaviors kind of make sense in terms of, you know, at at this time of year, everything is heightened. Other parts of the country where it's warm, like I've had my parents live in California, you mentioned Texas, people are just more active there in general. So I think you'll get the normal crowd of consumers there, plus some people trying to be healthier with New Year's resolutions, but Midwest. Northeast, we have nothing to do. We could wait. We're going to cook more at our house. We're going to go to the gym. You know, we you know we're interested in trying new things because we have the time to do it.
0: Absolutely love that. And I think what's uh, you know biggest takeaway is there's so much activity going on at the end of the year, beginning of Q1 that you know pick your pick the battle for your brand? Like, are you the holiday brand? Or are you a Black Friday, Cyber Monday brand? Are you a Q1 brand? Are there two of those areas that you play in? You don't have to do everything, but pick the ones that are going to make the most impact for your, um, your products and your company and really focus on that. Exactly. Kevin, this is great. I really appreciate this conversation. So many great nuggets. Thanks so much for being on today.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.